0: In certain respects, the PLA is also looking at AI to compensate for what they see as some of their vulnerabilities, including a relative lack of warfighting experience compared to the U.S. There may also be ways in which these same technologies are are uh, are used in attempts to undermine uh, U.S. capabilities or in fairly asymmetric ways. For instance, the potential use of swarms against high-value U.S. weapons platforms such as fighter jets or aircraft carriers.
1: Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Modern War Institute podcast. I'm John Ambo, Editorial Director at MWI, and in this episode, you'll hear a conversation I had with Elsa Kania. Elsa is an adjunct fellow with the Technology and National Security Program at the Center for New American Security, and she has done Absolutely phenomenal work on China and Chinese information warfare, innovation, defense technology. Really, if you're even remotely interested in China, I can't encourage you strongly enough to follow her work. She spoke recently at a conference in Silicon Valley hosted by the Mad Scientist Initiative. It's a program within the U.S. Army's Training and Doctrine Command that seeks to bring in outside voices, including people like Elsa, to really delve into complex issues related to the future of warfare. We recorded this episode at that conference, so I want to thank the Mad Scientist team for helping to connect us, and I'd also encourage you to check out some of the really interesting work they're doing. One quick note before we get to the conversation, as always, what you hear in this episode are the views of the participants, and don't represent those of West Point, the Army, or any other agency of the U.S. government. All right, here is my really fascinating conversation with Elsa Kania on China, the People's Liberation Army, and technological innovation. Elsa Kenia, thank you so much for uh, taking some time and sitting down and talking about what is really a fascinating topic.
0: Uh, Thank you. It's great to be on the podcast.
1: So I want to ask you first, um, I want to talk about China and specifically the PLA and their relationship, their kind of objectives when it comes to innovation, science and technology. Um, I've got some specific questions about AI and things that we can get into. But first, can you kind of frame it? What is, you know, the PLA's role in terms of uh, innovation in china and and how does that overlay with China's strategic objectives?
0: So uh, Xi Jinping has declared that China aspires to become a superpower in science and technology. and although China is still sometimes considered more of a copycat or more reliant upon tech transfer, even industrial espionage for science and technology development, increasingly, Chinese leaders are trying to pursue a a strategy of innovation-driven development, both for the civilian economy and for military modernization. We've often thought of the Chinese military as a fast follower, playing catch-up, pursuing asymmetric capabilities that seek to target perceived U.S. vulnerabilities and undermine U.S. ways of warfare, in what's often characterized as anti-access area denial or seen by Chinese strategists as aimed at counter-intervention. Increasingly, I would say that Chinese military modernization is at a critical juncture where we're seeing a shift from this asymmetric approach to what might be characterized as a more offset-oriented pursuit of disruptive technologies. Under Xi Jinping, uh, defense innovation has been characterized as a priority at the highest levels. She has called for the PLA to strengthen itself through science and technology, and to pursue military intelligentization while developing new type forces and capabilities.
1: So I've heard you mention um, what I think you call the military-civil fusion. And I think that's interesting because when we think about um, kind of the relationship between uh, the private sector and the U.S. military here, we think about solutions originating in the private sector and then um and then working their way into the military i think you know how do we harness the power of silicon valley Mm -hmm. um is is that relationship flipped in any sense in china where the pla is sort of the linchpin or or is or is their model basically the same where solutions and and new technologies are being developed for civilian purposes but with an eye toward what they can be used for in the military
0: Uh, The pursuit of military-civil fusion or civil-military integration is not entirely unique to China, though under Xi Jinping, this concept, which has certainly been a priority for the Chinese military for a while, is now also elevated to the level of national strategy. As you mentioned, there are are some parallels with U.S. efforts to leverage the private sector and take advantage of innovation in Silicon Valley to advance defense innovation. Uh, To some extent, uh, the study of The history of U.S. defense innovation and some of these current initiatives has, in fact, informed the PLA's approach that this... And they would characterize some of what the U.S. does as military-civil fusion as well. But I think certainly within the past couple of years, there's been a push to make military-civil fusion more of a reality within China's innovation ecosystem. Uh, Xi Jinping leads the Central Commission for the Development of Military-Civil Fusion, putting his his name and power behind a high-level effort to, to advance this agenda across the economy and military. Seeing uh, the creation of new joint research institutes intended to advance collaborative research and development, for instance, a new center for cyber defense focused on military-civil fusion and innovation that at Qihu 360, a major Chinese cybersecurity company, is leading, and the center could both seek to enhance national and military cyber defenses, while perhaps even exploring... The creation of cyber militias. So I think as a concept, military-civil fusion is uh, can be quite a bit more far-reaching than efforts underway in the U.S., given to some degree the more direct, in some cases perhaps even coercive capability of the state to ensure that tech transfers that might support military modernization will take place. And uh, certainly, we've seen, uh, for instance, new national engineering laboratories, including for deep learning, brain-inspired intelligence, and virtual and augmented reality, where you have private companies directly taking part. And beyond simply research and development, this can also extend to trying to trying to make better use of uh, of civilian and commercial talent and technology to advance mi- military capabilities. So, for instance. China's strategic support force which has integrated its space cyber electronic and psychological warfare capabilities has partnered with a couple of companies and defense industry players to focus on building up talent for its uh, s- cyber and technical capabilities going forward so I think certainly the attempts to make t- to leverage dual-use talent so to speak is also a major element of the strategy going forward and the PLA is has seemingly made some progress in breaking down traditional barriers that might have impeded the sort of deeper cooperation.
1: To what extent, um, you know, we're talking about kind of technology transfer within uh, China, uh, private companies, state-owned enterprises, and the military. Um, To what extent does international technological transfer uh, play into this? Is incorporating technologies and technological solutions that are developed, say, here in Silicon Valley, uh, does that play into their strategy? I
0: think certainly, if you look at the recent history of Chinese defense science and technology developments and timing Chung's work on these issues, including several books he's published, provides a fairly authoritative accounting of this. Can there you I-
1: explain who, who is that?
0: Oh, sorry, a uh, timing ming Cheng scholar at the University of California, San Diego, has written several books on the history of Chinese uh, military modernization from the perspective of defense science and technologies. And certainly his work and the scholarship of, of others focused on these issues has read a the, the pretty clear track record that the uh, Chinese military moderniz- modernization to date has often relied upon technology transfer, even industrial espionage. I think certainly going forward, there It appears to be more of a focus on original, even disruptive innovation that will be truly indigenous in nature. And I think certainly um, uh, part of the part of the impetus for military-civil fusion has been the recognition that increasingly Chinese tech companies, Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, and including their growing capabilities in artificial intelligence, as national champions or China's national team in that regard. And then companies like the Beijing Genomics Institute and biotech are, are major even world leaders in this field. I think if you look into, I think certainly looking forward, China's uh, continued military modernization and pursuit of notionally indigenous innovation will, will in some cases continue to rely upon attempts to access foreign talent and technology. So, for instance, China's New Generation Artificial Intelligence Development Plan, released in uh, July 2017, openly calls for a going out of Chinese enterprises to pursue uh, foreign investments, acquisitions, joint laboratories, uh, partnerships, and other joint ventures. Certainly, there's an effort to leverage what's characterized in this plan as international innovation resources enabled in order to advance innovation within China. In certain of these activities, for instance, the fact that every, just about every major Chinese AI company has a has an office or research center in Silicon Valley, that there are, in some cases, talent bases linked back to, uh, state or local initiatives uh, loca- being created in places like Silicon Valley, Boston, and and far beyond. I think certainly there there are ongoing global efforts to leverage this sort of access to top tech and talent globally to advance China's rise as a global power in science and technology. But I think at the same time, uh, it seems quite clear that in the future, there will increasingly be truly made in China innovation. And that is the objective to graduate, so to speak, beyond this reliance to become a real center and powerhouse for future innovation. And emerging technologies in which the U.S. does not have a clear lead, and we may not be able to achieve the sort of primacy we've had in other technological domains, in things like biotechnology, artificial intelligence, even quantum technologies, increasingly China's becoming a global center for innovation. Though in some cases, those advances can be enabled by collaborations, for instance, a close partnership with... uh, Top Austrian researchers from the Austrian Academy of Sciences to launch the world's first quantum satellite in China, among others, to support this sort of innovation. But I think it still should be taken very seriously, and and, and as a sign that China's place in the world, vis-a-vis science and technology, is is starting to change uh, considerably.
1: So there, no then, you know, the the sort of old-fashioned, I guess, way that we would think about this is. Um, we see a new, you know, fifth-generation fighter jet in China, and you can kind of tell that it's basically reverse-engineered um, wh- what the, what what the U.S. fifth-generation fighters did, um, and that's just no longer the case. That they've sort of reached the edge where they are are innovating on their own. And so, I'm curious, what are the what are uh, do you know what are what are the priorities? You mentioned AI. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the areas in which uh, the PLA, in particular, is um, really seeking to out-innovate the United States. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, To your point about the fighter jet first, I think certainly there are a number of clear cases where tech transfer, both licit and illicit, has been a major enabler of Chinese military modernization. For instance, there have been similar efforts uh, with the development of drones, with uh, even uh, China's... uh, first railgun, which was recently fielded by the PLA Navy, which appears to have been enabled by an acquisition of a foreign company that had key expertise in this area. So I think certainly that will continue to be a major factor. But some of the areas where there seems to be more independent or truly indigenous innovation seem to be things like artificial intelligence, which has rapidly emerged as a top national priority. Uh, Biotechnology, as I mentioned, which is already an area where China's clearly starting to lead in precision medicine, trials of CRISPR, both in animals and in humans. A couple of other domains of military innovation going forward where there seem, seem to be fairly active efforts are things like directed energy, for instance, apparent advances in high-power microwave weapons, and the railgun, as I mentioned. Uh, certainly, Chinese drones, both commercial and military, have emerged quite rapidly as a major both force for PLA capabilities and the proliferation of these same capabilities worldwide as you're seeing Chinese military drones be used in Iraq, Nigeria, r- really throughout the Middle East, Central Asia, Southeast Asia, as well as Chinese commercial drones that are cheap but still capable enough being used by by ISIS and potentially could be similarly leveraged by other non-state actors as improvised I- I- IEDs going forward. So I think certainly... It'll be interesting to see where all of this goes. And uh, I mean, one of the most prominent examples of this recently has been what's starting to be seen as a hypersonics arm, arms race, where China does appear to have quite considerable capabilities based on long-standing work, work on these technologies, a, quite, quite a few tests of hypersonic technologies, even reportedly a hypersonic plane that's recently been reported. So I think certainly across a lot of the very technologies that the U.S. military sees critical to its own agenda for defense innovation and even most of the technologies highlighted in the new national defense strategies, technologies that will enable us to fight and win future wars, are, t- are dual-use technologies in which China either is already a major powerhouse or has articulated its ambition to emerge as a world leader.
1: You know, some of those uh, systems that you mentioned um, it's kind of clear how they fit into what we perceive to be Chinese strategy of anti-access and area denial capabilities. Um, when it comes to something like AI, you know, we have an intuitive sense that AI will, will play a, a major role in the future of warfare. We talk about it all the time, how we can harness AI um, to, to U.S. military advantage. But how does that, um, does that play into what we perceive to be China's main concerns, which are regional, um, or is it, is it much broader than that?
0: I think certainly with regard to AI in particular, the U.S. focus on artificial intelligence and autonomy in the third offset was one, one of the uh, catalysts for the PLA deciding to pursue some parallel efforts in military innovation in this domain. I think certainly uh, speaking to f- f- first AI in particular and how the PLA sees this as a technology, a couple of couple of different catalysts there were certainly the third offset and then AlphaGo's defeat of Lee Dole in the spring of 2016, which was seen by PLA strategists as highlighting just how powerful AI was as as a technology, but also the fact that uh, this was an AI system that was able to outthink and outstrategize the world's top human players in a game humans had been playing for thousands of years, even coming up with new tactics and stratagems that human players had never thought of. So I think certainly AlphaGo was actually apparently a major impetus for the PLA starting to think more seriously about the military applications of AI and then some of the initial US momentum towards a national AI strategy with a couple of plans and reports released in late 2016 was also was a, also a major factor in putting this on the radar of Chinese leaders. So I think going forward, as you mentioned, AI and other emerging technologies may not at first glance seem to fit very clearly or neatly into overall Chinese military objectives. But certainly the, part of the impetus has been a sense of competition with the U.S. and seeing the U.S. military as a powerful potential adversary, and also the metric for comparison in Chinese military modernization, and concern that if the U.S. were to leap ahead again, if the third offset were to succeed, and the U.S. pioneered a new n- new ways of warfare, or was able to achieve a new revolution in military affairs, so to speak, that the PLA would again be in a position of severe disadvantage. So I think certainly the sense of competitive pressure and reaction to perceptions of U.S. advances in this domain was a major impetus. And in terms of specific uh, applications and their utility, I think certainly to some degree the PLA's pursuit and ongoing research and development on military applications of AI is, is not dissimilar to some of the lines of effort that the U.S. is pursuing. For instance, Ability to use machine learning and intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance. For instance, uh, uh, the Department of Defense's Project MAVEN has focused on this in terms of uh, video imagery from UAVs. The Chinese military is funding the development of an algorithm that could help to help locate enemy ships and satellite imagery. So a lot of these ISR functions could certainly be useful in the near term. I think in certain respects the PLA is also looking at AI to compensate for what they see as some of their vulnerabilities including a relative lack of warfighting experience compared to the u.s so for instance ai and more sophisticated war gaming and simulations to create an, an intelligent blue force which is their equivalent of a red team uh, ai to enhance the realism of military training including perhaps their virtual and augmented reality and also in terms of uh, uh, actual utility in the battlefield, the notion of AI-enabled decision support to commander's decision-making, certainly something that the PLA seems to see as a killer app of sorts or something that could pr- provide an advantage relative to the U.S. And of course, uh, consistent with the asymmetric focus that has characterized aspects of Chinese military modernization, there may also be ways in which these same technologies are are, uh, are used in attempts to undermine uh US capabilities or in fairly asymmetric ways for instance the potential use of swarms against high value US weapons platforms such as fighter jets or aircraft carriers we may be away from that being a reality but certainly the intention and directionality of China's focus on swarm intelligence uh is quite clear at this point
1: I want to ask you about one other thing that I've uh, I heard you talk about and that's um uh you call it the intelligentization um uh, I guess priority, or uh, can you can you kind of explain what you mean by that?
0: Sure. So the uh, concept of intelligentization or jurenhuahua is one of those interesting Chinese terms. I first started coming across it in fairly authoritative texts, such as the Science of Military Strategy, put out by the PLA's Academy of Military Sciences, which uh, sort of uh, essentially serves as a think tank to the Central Military Commission, or is involved in certain respects in the formulation of high-level strategic thinking, even doctrine. on, And this particular text characterized what was talking about the changing character of conflict and referring to it as becoming more smart or intelligentized. And uh, the same concept also appeared in the uh, 2015 National Defense White Paper, which similarly alluded to an accelerating revolution in military affairs that would make future warfare and capabilities more smart or intelligentized. I think certainly if, uh, the re- last couple decades of the PLA's military modernization has included a major focus on informatization, or xinxihuah, which is focused on the development of C4SR capabilities, of leveraging information technology to enhance military capabilities throughout the force in the ways that the PLA had first seen the U.S. develop, uh, demonstrate these information-enabled capabilities, for instance, in the first Gulf War. So I think from the perspective of Chinese military leaders, intelligentization is seen as the next stage beyond informatization, that that the character of conflict is changing from today's informatized or information-centric ways of warfare to potentially future warfare that could be intelligentized or AI-centric, AI-enabled. The the concept seems to refer to a range of emerging technologies, big data, machine learning artificial intelligence more broadly that could could in combination uh, ch- change the character of conflict in fairly fundamental ways. So, intelligentization and Xi Jinping himself in official comments and high-level PLA leaders such as Lieutenant General Liu Guozhou, who leads the CMC Science and Technology Commission, which is a, essentially a would-be DARPA with Chinese characteristics, have both alluded to the importance of advancing military in- intelligentization, which, which uh, is a concept as with as like informatization that could be debated is a little bit inchoate in meaning at the moment, it seems to generally allude to seeking to introduce AI and other emerging technologies, wherever they might be relevant throughout the force, for a broad range of these applications, and imp- and certainly there does not necessarily seem to be a clear or formal strategy yet beyond the concept as articulated in official and, author- and authoritative writings and statements, but I think certainly this does appear to be a new a stage, so to speak, in Chinese military modernization that will focus on will focus on these different types of innovation that leverage such emerging technologies. It could be fairly top-down, directional. There also could be bottom-up experimentation, attempts to introduce AI, and perhaps some of perhaps some of the hype and enthusiasm, even over exuberance we've seen about the potential of AI could could also play into the PLA's focus on it and think remains to be seen how successful this will be, but certainly I think the concept is an, is an interesting illustration of how the PLA both thinks about future warfare and h- how it perceives the U.S. efforts o- underway.
1: I want to go back to um, a few things that you've that you've said. Uh, much of this discussion you've kind of framed in terms of China and U.S. It's a sort of binary construct um, that I think does frame mm-hmm. um, uh, Chinese thinking. You also have mentioned compensating for vulnerabilities. You Mm -hmm. mentioned the the U.S. offset strategy. Um, Is that is that a useful construct uh, to, you know, China has, um, you know, they have manpower advantages, but they still have budgetary disadvantage. Mm -hmm. I mean, is this is is some of this innovation um, or is all of it really guided by uh, a similar desire to offset vulnerabilities? Is that the way that we should think about this?
0: Mm Uh, that's a very good question. I've half jokingly been trying to, half jokingly, half seriously been trying to coin the term of "China's first offset" to allude to this round of Chinese military innovation. Things like railguns, directed energy, drones, artificial intelligence, hypersonics. Certainly, a lot of a lot of areas that collectively seem to reflect a Chinese attempt to compete directly with the U.S. in innovation. In these frontier technologies, in the hope of being the first to seize the commanding heights, so to speak, and the first to pioneer new paradigms of military power. So certainly, the way it's often described in Chinese writings is sort of cutting the turn, uh, leaping ahead, attempting to get there first, whatever there turns out to be in terms of whatever the next uh, whatever the next conflict looks like, or whatever future warfare may turn out to be. That if if China could be the first to develop uh, new concepts of concepts of operations or even pioneer new organizational structures to, to meet these demands, then it could gain an advantage relative to the U.S. military. So certainly, uh, the concept of offset and U.S. offset strategies, many of which were uh, seen as such more in retrospect than at the time, I think certainly a lot of complexity in how we th- think about the notion of offset and how the PLA might see might see its efforts similarly or differently, but I think certainly the focus on trying to achieve a disruptive advantage is quite clear. But at the same time, the PLA uh, is motivated by a sense of threat and vulnerability, the sense that the U.S. is and has always been the leader, that with with China's rapid advances in some of these technologies, including those pioneered by by fairly dynamic uh, private enterprises in China, that the playing field is more level now, that China may have an opportunity to lead the world as its plan uh, calls for it to do in artificial intelligence or or a number of these other technologies. But certainly it's, I think, mo- motivated by a concern that the U.S. Uh, is going full speed ahead and into a number of these lines of effort and that the PLA should try to compete here and also has an opportunity to perhaps gain an gain an advantage relative to the relative to what's known as the par revolution in military affairs I found in information technology when the PLA when the PLA perceived these trends from a, from a position of clear inferiority being a force that was barely mechanized very backwards now it's much more modern much more powerful but still i think seeking to emerge as a true cu- peer competitor to the US and as a world world class military in the words of xi jinping
1: So I I guess this will be my last question, and I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a little bit, but also maybe offer you an opportunity to five years or 10 years from now, uh, tweet a link to this podcast episode and say, I told you so. Um, Of all of the things that you've talked about, AI, hypersonics, uh, directed energy, which is the one that um, maybe we're not paying sufficient attention to? Uh, Or which is the one that you think has the potential to be the most impactful in terms of? Um, influencing the, the, the power balance?
0: That is a very good question. I'm not sure if I have a good answer, and I'm not sure if I'll hazard a prediction at this point. I think certainly to speak to the next couple of years and some of the frontier applications of artificial intelligence, I think one interesting space to watch will be the strategic support force, which, as I mentioned, has integrated space, cyber, electronic, and psychological warfare capabilities and may also be a a force for innovation within the PLA in trying to advance new concept weapons and new type capabilities. I think certainly the utility of AI and in information warfare, I think, could be a major, major trend in the years to come, whether that be cognitive electronic warfare. And the PLA is focused uh, quite intensively on electronic warfare as a workforce of its, in- course of its information warfare capabilities. And this appears to be an area where the US has been paying less attention compared to to Russia and China, but I think certainly cognitive electronic warfare will be a major major near-term application. Greater automation in cyber defense and even perhaps offensive cyber operations seems to be a feasible near-term application of AI that could, could certainly prove impactful and perhaps even risky in terms of when you have potential interactions between autonomous systems in the cyber domain are there ways in which that could jeopardize military or even strategic stability going forward i think that will be a tricky set of dynamics to navigate as as i expect uh, both the proliferation of power and diffusion of capabilities in the cyber domain and 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 for ai could make that a could make that a fairly salient trend and of course uh, we've seen growing concerns recently over with regard to Russian interference attempts enabled by bots, certainly uh, g- growing research on computational propaganda, on different approaches to modern-day political or psychological warfare in a- using big data, machine learning, artificial intelligence, I think these will be quite uh, tricky issues going forward across the board. And I think certainly at the same time, we've seen growing concern over Chinese sharp power, uh, by one characterization, or the continuation of a long tradition of Chinese Communist Party attempts at interference, including through things like United Front work, I think that there could be interesting and troubling convergences between some of these trends and technologies that can make those make those efforts more subtle or qu- quite a bit more sophisticated going forward. So, I think certainly. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of a lot of these interesting advances pioneered in virtual domains, whether that be cyber, the electromagnetic spectrum, or information, broadly speaking.
1: Well, so thank you very much uh, for what's really a, a, a fascinating conversation, one that I. Uh, would happily go on having for uh for for much much longer but uh for any listeners uh that are interested in this I'd, I'd highly encourage them to um follow the work that you're doing because it really is kind of i think leading edge uh and important stuff so thank you very much thank you hey thanks again for listening to the mwi podcast before you go If you're not already following MWI on social media, find us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We want to connect with other people with an interest in the topics we cover, and it is a great way to stay up to date on the new articles, podcast episodes, and research we're publishing every day. All right, thanks again.